You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Joshua Kennedy. He is founder of Imagine Marketing. We're going to talk to him a little bit about his experience as a founder, as a CEO of a service-based company, the work that he's doing, how he's built out his team, how he's built out culture. I always love talking with companies that are doing distributed teams, virtual teams, You know how that works, how they've successfully used that model. More and more companies, I find, are leveraging worldwide talent by going the virtual route, going to the distributed so we're going to have a conversation around that and some of the experiences he's had scaling his service-based company. So with that, Joshua, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on today. Yeah. So let's do a little bit of background and just in terms of how you got into this business. I always find there's there's interesting stories in terms of how people kind of get into their businesses or, or find themselves in their businesses. And then we can talk a little bit about the work that you're doing and, and what we can uh, kind of learn from the digital side, from the remote side, distributed side, and, and some of the cultural things that you've been doing. So what's the backstory? How did you get into this? Yeah, so I'll take it back to a couple years or a few years ago where I started actually doing digital marketing and affiliate marketing services. But as far as the company is itself, uh, I, I definitely think it's uh, necessity is the mother of invention for me yeah. is really what it's been. But I, I got my start working for a company um, in the Tampa Bay area where I'm currently located. Basically, I came in as a digital marketing director for them and I didn't have that much experience at that point. I just was sort of a, a polished talker and, and kind of knew a little bit about SEO and some content and some different things. And so I was able to work my way in there. And then sort of within the first three to six months of the company, I was able to, so I launched an affiliate program after sort of observing some of our competitors. And uh, and that was sort of in like the health supplements, wellness space, um, and then sort of really sort of just figured it out along the way as managing it, obviously did a lot of research on my own and in my spare time, just consuming different books and, and information online and as much as, you know, different podcasts and, and then kind of figured out just how affiliate marketing worked and then just built the, the program, you know, to be very successful and where we initially had started on a word, we ran our brands on WordPress and started initially with the WordPress plugin and then moved on to uh, Impact Radius, which is kind of like the enterprise software for, for that space. Uh-huh. And then uh, within, yeah, then basically what happened is uh, I got to a point where I thought it was a good, the, the value I was bringing to the table wasn't going to ever come back to me in the way I wanted it to. And so I kind of, this was May of 2019, mm-hmm. and I decided to split at that point and um, had a couple ventures that I worked in. And then uh, those didn't go, go as planned. But uh, yeah, fast forwarded to you know the end of 2019, where I really started you know building out this company now, Imagine Marketing. And uh, yeah, this has definitely been the, the most successful venture so far. Yeah. And, and just kind of fill our audience in a little bit in terms of how the affiliate space works. Like what is the basic business model or how do you, how do you serve your clients? What is the value you bring? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way I think about it is the traffic is broken up into almost three different 
buckets, right? So you've got your organic bucket, which is, you know, branded search traffic and basically all the content on your blog and, and website that are people naturally coming in. You've got your paid traffic, which is big, right? So you've got mm-hmm. all the social and uh, display and, and all that in the PPC. And then the, the last is sort of the the referral traffic, which is basically what the, the performance marketing or affiliate marketing space really tries to tap into. I think that kind of Globally, most studies say that around 20% of e-commerce revenue is driven from affiliate marketing, which is basically partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially what it is, is it's a, there's a couple ways to do it, but typically a, a cookie-based software that just tracks users, user customer journeys, um, basically from finding information about your product or your service from some partner that you have, whether that's a, a blog or a YouTube channel or a podcast or, or how a comparison site, however they find information about you, and then ultimately through conversion and sort of, and then what happens is basically you get three people, three parties, you've got, you know, or it can have three parties, you got a brand or a person, e-commerce store selling the product, you've got the promoter, and they sort of have the intermediaries, which is kind of people like me who are trying to connect the dots between those two people. Interesting. So you're basically taking people that have traffic of, mm-hmm. of a particular target audience or of a particular ilk, and then... Mm-hmm. You know, helping find brands, commerce sites that want that traffic, and you basically broker the deal, provide the infrastructure, the flow between them, so that people can monetize that work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And kind of how I, you know, once you, it's it's all completely relationship based. You know, so once you have enough relationships on on either side of the stack of if the client yeah. side or the or the the, the publisher or partner side, then the then it becomes a lot more a lot easier to to manage. Yeah. yeah. So I'm always curious to hear what lessons people have learned. So you mentioned you had a couple of ventures in between yeah. or before yeah. those. What were some of the takeaways? I mean, I guess going into this one, was there anything that uh, you had on your list of, okay, let's not do that again? Yeah, well, it's kind of ironic too, because the idea was really solid. I think that this, I just was a little late to the game. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually, so like I said, uh, CBD was obviously, I was involved in CBD, mm-hmm. you know, two or three years ago. And then at that t- the point, the, the idea dawned was like, man, I need to create basically um you know, a storefront where it has all these brands, right? So a warehouse of all the, the different brands because uh, essentially the Amazon of CBD and actually a partner of mine at that time was a, a, a gentleman that r- runs a website called Bro Bible, which is a really popular website. Um, and he was he's yeah. a partner affiliate of mine and he kind of just like literally a month or two before as we had been developing that and, and uh, he, he, he messaged me, you're saying, say, hey, check this out. <laughs> and it was a, pretty much a fully developed idea of uh, what I had been working on, which is you can so I'll give him a shout out right now. Yeah. If, you're, if you're listening to this, it's called cbdee.com and it's essentially an Amazon rip basically for for the CBD market. But definitely is uh that was they were a little bit ahead of, uh, ahead of me as far as the investment. Um, but yeah. also but also too is for me is like I left my full-time income to go into something that I thought was promising. Yeah. Um, so I wish I would have come up with a, a little bit of proof of income or proof of concept before I would have split off it have made things a little bit easier, I think. Yeah, there's I think there's always this um balance or conundrum that people get into is like, oh, well, I need to pursue my passion, you know, and I need to go all in and I need to burn the bridges and the whole thing versus the, you know, how do I create a little bit of a, a phased approach to this and protect myself a little bit? But yeah, I think that one, you know, can go either way. I think there's a little bit of survivor bias. <laughs> you hear the yeah. stories of these people that went all in and then were super <laughs> successful. Um, you know, unfortunately, you don't hear about the 99 others that uh, yeah. ended up having to go get a job afterwards. Yes, absolutely. So what were some of the, as you got into the, this business, what 
what were some of the new surprises or new challenges that you found, you know, as, as you started to build out this one? Yeah, well, I think that there were just more, there were more barriers to entry than I initially thought. And I think that mainly has to do, is it depends. Like, so we haven't still quite, you know, because we're, we're still young, we haven't quite figured out exactly what type of business we are um, that, you know, in terms of two, three, four or five years down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that one of the things is, is that there are, you know, almost in the same way that you can sort of go after long tail keywords, there are there's sort of a long tail to the, the partners, which is more of like the micro influencers and people that aren't really that affiliate, uh, familiar with affiliate marketing. And I think there's a huge market there, but then you've got the other side, which is more of your traditional network affiliate marketing publishers, which are basically the, the giant media companies that in publishers that exist there. So the Condé Nast, the world, the Hearst, mm. all of those people that they own, basically all of the on, they basically own, you know, 10, 20, 30 publications. All of the content is, is based around commerce and, you know, included like BuzzFeed would be a good example. And basically these people have their preferred methods of working and, and they've got relationships with certain networks and stuff like that. So I think that sort of being able to break in, you know, the barrier to entry there is this, this um, basically those relationships that have already been established. Um, and then uh, trying to, yeah, like I said, trying to open the door with some of the more traditional average, or the more traditional publishers and stuff like that as, as far as partnerships has been a, a, a challenge that I didn't see initially. Yeah. And how does this fit into the world of, you know, kind of marketing and marketing services? Because, we, you know, we've got a lot of folks that I know listen to the podcast that are in this kind of creative services, marketing services, you know, advertising media kind of space. Where does this, how does this kind of strategy fit in and what kind of companies typically use this and, and where is where is it applied most effectively? Yeah, absolutely. So again, I think it goes back to the, the referral traffic. So it's, it's performance marketing. So generally speaking, I would say it's under that growth marketing or performance marketing umbrella where it's sort of like your more data data-based sort of marketing and uh, PPC and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of the realm it, realm it fits into. Um, as far as I mean, m- most uh, I would say most m- you know medium-sized and pretty much all medium-sized and, and large uh, e-commerce brands and companies uh, are using sort of affiliate marketing services now. Like you know whether they manage it internally through their own soft, like you know through a, a SaaS p- solution basically mm-hmm. where they're doing it doing it themselves or if they're operating on a bigger network, you know, that's that sort of varies. Or, you know, some people have those what they call outsource program managers, which are basically, you know, acceleration partners and uh, all these kinds of guys, which are these they specialize in this space, which is just managing affiliate programs for these companies. So there's there's a little bit of variety there. But uh, I would say that it definitely is it's a staple. It just varies whether it's, you know, in house or, or someone else is running it for you. Yeah. And in terms of your strategy on this, like how, mm-hmm. how have you kind of differentiated or, or where have you kind of found your niche and Mm. in this world and, and how has that come about? Yeah, well, I think that well, one of the things was that uh, one of the, the software that we use is a newer software and so one of the easiest integrations it has is, is Shopify stores. So it's been a super easy, like we can literally get a, an account set up within five minutes or less if we get the go-ahead and credentials to a Shopify store and just with the growth of uh, Shopify as a you know an e-commerce platform has been really good for us. So I think that just the technology has, has sort of created uh, a little bit of our strategy or lay the foundations for a little bit of our strategy and our clients. And then I think that too is just me personally is I, I've wanted to sort of go after, you know, sort of younger brands with maybe some sort of like, you know, socially aware sort of product or or sort of mission base that they have. Uh, those are kind of where we started. Um, and mm-hmm. then luckily, or, you know, some of these clients that we've been able to connect and, and onboard some of these clients, that's kind of where we're at. 
Yeah. Yeah. I always find it's interesting to to understand how a company picks its target mm-hmm. and, you know, what defines its target. Given the target that you focused on, what, how have you generated leads or generally how do you, how do you find business? What does your kind of sales process look like? Yeah. Well, it's varied a little bit, but a lot of what I've been doing is just, just kind of PR work, to be honest with you, and mm-hmm. trying to connect that way. Um, there's lots of virtual networking things going on, which I've gotten some leads from just like locally and then obviously across country. So I know that there are different entrepreneurship groups that sort of like that you can sort of uh, jump in on or sit in with um, across the country. So that's been a nice way to network with other business owners. And because we are B2B, that's, you know, typically groups that have entrepreneurs, whether that's on, you know, I, I, well, excuse me. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, whether that's the, the networking side of things or that's been just, you know, operating in Facebook groups that sort of are are built around or have a, a similar value system as us. I found clients that way, too. So I, I, th- I think like basically B2B networking, whether virtual or sorry, virtual digital, but also around those like shared values, I think has been the easiest way for us to connect with people and get clients. Yeah. And on the uh, on the operation side, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about how you've kind of built out the the delivery and how you've you know what kind of team you've put together and how what what's been your strategy on that side? Yeah, so so we essentially have right now remote. Uh, it's a remote organization. We have <laughs> around five five employees that that help depending on the project, and it, it's sort of been project based so far. We do have a couple that are more full time that are working with me, um, but that's, you know sometimes if we need like technical integrations work or whatever, it's just more on a, on a project base. Um, so that's that's something, and, and that's. For sure, looking forward, I want to maintain sort of the remote organization. I, I mentioned earlier that the, the company Acceleration Partners, which is sort of one of the thought leaders in, in the affiliate marketing world, and they maintain a fully remote operation of probably 150 to 200 people, maybe more, and they're global as well. So that's sort of a, you know, although we have our, our own unique you know, sort of client and, and, and sort of ethos to our business. Um, mm-hmm. That's definitely a good model for us sort of to follow. And, and so I kind of looked to them as, as saying, hey, remote organization, thought leader, let's, there's something here. Yeah. And what, and what do you like about the remote? Well, I mean, I, I think that one is that just the, um, for me, it's just, probably has to do with me mainly as an employee is what I prefer because I just whenever I felt like I was restricted to going into the office one day I just felt like it just kind of I I just got bored of it to be honest with you and and I know that my not my productivity but my maybe my productivity but my desire to show up every day so Mm. you know I, I think that's probably also uh, maybe a hit on the culture that I was involved in, you know, if it was a really great workplace culture. But I know that, there, you know, people are cut from a, a ton of different cloths. So some people thrive in with more consistency and, and, some, and predictability and, and other people's like a little bit more or other people like a little more freedom. So I think, you know, as well as not being geographically restricted and having access to different people and stuff like that, and, and maybe even being easier, you know, obviously saving things like traffic times and, yeah. you know, to time and traffic and whatever. And, and too, I, I really believe that, Personally, it's like I'm almost I'm probably more productive working on my own. So there's a, there's a lot of reasons, but definitely it was sort of you know originated from the fact of, of my my experience as an employee for a company, and then sort of setting that up for the people that I want to work with. Yeah, and I guess what are some of the downsides? I mean, what are some of the things that you've had to figure out how to manage differently, or you know structure routines, things like that, to be able to keep that kind of functional and productive for yourself? Yeah, well, I, I think one of the biggest things is just the the accountability side of things. Is just as I, I don't want to be uh someone who's constant i don't i don't want to be you know 
standing over someone's shoulder, standing over employees' shoulders. So there's just a little bit of, of trust that has to be in, involved in terms of the rec- you know finding the right people and you know trying to measure their output and and all of that kind of stuff. So one of the ways that uh, especially for the account managers is that I you know and this is kind of I know this is sales in general, but um, it's just just make it heavily heavily incentivized as far as the acquisition of new clients. So. You know whether we can attribute specific campaigns to account managers, or we can attribute specific specific. To, I'm happy to share in, in you know in terms of like on a performance basis, like strong strong percentages. But I just want to make sure that I'm basically attributing the you know the work of the, the profit from the company exactly to the source of it. So yeah. Well, and have you found that um, you know some some people thrive in that world, some people don't, and and how do you make sure that you're bringing on the right people that are going to be successful in this model and this approach? Yeah. Well, I think. Initially- Initially, it's it's more of uh, taking in the potential you know colleague employee as a whole person. Initially, so I kind of am a believer it's like the, the way you do one thing is the way that you do everything sort of thing. Yeah. So it's like trying to trying to dig into the personality profile and just get to know them as a human being before. And just because we do have sort of a, we are we are sort of a quote unquote mission based organization helping other mission based organizations. Although everyone will tell you that they have a mission. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things. Is like, but like I said, in terms of like being able to what is it, what is it saying say like you know when you try to please everyone you please no one yeah exactly yeah so whenever i try to as far as like really sort of honing down on on who we are and sort of the employees that we want and and the clients that we want that's been the the best way for me so far to to get access to clients and start the conversation so i'm going to keep in line i'm going to build from that culture or that uh, that mission from you know as a central component and then you know kind of let everything else fall into place yeah i think you know we're just always curious when when people have a particular culture or have a particular work environment that they're hiring into what are the kind of the the questions the processes that you use to really kind of get that information you know and I'm you know whether they're exercises you have people do where you find people the interview questions that you ask how you set up the interviews I mean is there anything like what tricks have you learned to really find the information as part of the um, recruiting process so that you get the best people yeah so uh, like I said this is an evolving process but one of the things that I I steer away from is because I've been uh, I've been sort of uh, you know systematized and tested and all those you know sometimes when you apply for modern companies it it feels like you're taking you know a a Rorschach test or (laughs) I keep <laughs> Tell me about your like mother. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so it's like I've sort of steered away from that. And I think one of the best ways to, you know, to find people is to obviously look at their, you know, try to find the current employers that have a similar, you know, as if you're going to, you know, sort of cherry pick your, mm-hmm. your employees from, from other companies or at least offer them as one of the ways is to find organizations that have a similar sort of mindset and admission as you do. So uh, although I haven't done it yet and I, you know, no, it would be just like people, you know, companies like Acceleration Partners that mm-hmm. have an internal internal mission and value system. And then you have, you know, maybe your entry level or your managerial level, maybe that, you know, they could step up and be a director at my company or whatever. It's like, that's potentially a good organization to look for. So I think that one of the easiest, you know, to, to put it, uh, to give it to you straight is that, you know, because we don't have the, the, the size and, and the, yeah. the experience right now to really have a full vetting process as far as the HR and, and all of that kind of stuff. I think one of the shortcuts for us is to look, like I said, find other organizations that are kind of where we are or ahead of where, or where we want to be and then and sort of look from there. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I think it's a good strategy. I mean, I, I certainly have seen a lot of companies, uh, particularly earlier stage, you know, leverage, you know, companies that are in their space, but much bigger. Because, you know, the other thing that happens is that, you know, a lot of folks, when they join a company that's, you know, less than a dozen, you know, a couple dozen people, you know, once you get to a couple hundred people, it's a really different company. And, and oftentimes right. that it's no longer a great fit for them. And so they're looking for new earlier stage opportunities. And you can sometimes find some folks that are in those companies, have been in there for a while. They're looking for an earlier kind of more entrepreneurial kind of you know environment to work in, and, and it can be a great way to to actually pull some really great talent with some really great experience. Yep, yep, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about the system side. So, I mean, I mean, you mentioned that you've got some software that kind of underpins the affiliate management side mm-hmm. of it, but mm-hmm. any other kind of tools, systems, you know, technology that you found helpful in in managing and growing the business? Yeah, I can kind of touch on this with you know it's sort of right now currently in my organization, mm-hmm. then also with my previous experience. Experience. Um, yeah. So there's, I know that right now, uh, a lot of the, the you know, there's a company. Well, I think that in general, affiliate marketing or performance marketing is, is sort of picking up steam as a, as a as a service. And so I think that these these uh, subsidiaries or sort of like these supporting you know, software or whatever are also growing. So a couple of the things is like Publisher Discovery and Media Rails, which are basically partner uh, competitor analysis pro- platforms and also uh, partner sourcing platforms where you identify partners to work with. Those are uh, two new platforms or two not new platforms but those are two good platforms to use. Um, as far as just like doing a lot of the basic research and sort of digging into our clients, we just use SEMrush for a lot of that, which has been always my favorite. I've used a variety of different tools, but SEMrush has always been my favorite platform. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all there's also two, you know, I know there's a multiple keyword monitoring services and stuff like that, you know, but BuzzSumo was one that I used to use as far as what I would do is I'd basically, uh, you know, like say whatever product we're selling, I, I'm sitting in front of me, I've got, a, I've got a phone in front of me. So they're selling phone cases, well, I'd be able to figure out what not only what our brand phone case is, but also the top five or 10 other brands. And then I'd be able, and then also maybe five keywords or 10 keywords that are product related or, or search related to the, the phone case, right? And then I'd be able to set all those keyword, like basically keyword following, keyword mention sort of yeah. things. And then I'd be able to sort of track where all the content is being produced or where it's all being mentioned and, and sort of be able to figure out sort of the landscape of a particular product or a particular client that way. And then the great thing I love about what well, digital marketing and, and then also just affiliate marketing too is that there are so many just different elements to it so like I said you've got the the recruiting side which I just touched on a little bit but then also you've got the obviously the campaign and, and the performance side which is you know actually running the campaigns and and you know making the sales and sending the warm traffic over and all that kind of stuff and one of the ways to do that especially if you're going to just do it on your own side is sort of set up like the, the hot jar and the, the crazy egg sort of things which are mm-hmm. more of the, the conversion the CRO type stuff so those are a few other things that we're using I know that ultimately sort of in the future I see myself as a sort of a, a, a mix of a affiliate network, a mix of an affiliate manager ma- managing team, and then also almost like a PR company where you're constantly generating placements and leads for, for the different clients that you, you know, that, that you have. So whatever can, whatever software or tools can support those three things, that's kind of what, what we're using. Yeah. It's interesting to kind of hear, I mean, it, it feels like a space where the technology is evolving reasonably quickly. So there's kind of this one of the skills you need is a, a, the ability to, to evaluate, you know, identify, evaluate, and integrate potentially new technologies as the space mm-hmm. evolves. I mean, how do you do that? How do you stay abreast of kind of all the new things that are happening and the new tools and the new strategies? I mean, what's the what's your process for staying on top of the game? 
Yeah, well, uh, that's a good question. Like I said, one of the things would just be to lean on some of the other the other agencies. Like I said earlier, in terms of like their own their their own blogs, white papers, whatever emails, mm-hmm. uh, pot, you know, all of those kinds of things. I know that there are different conferences. I haven't I haven't personally I've been to different trade shows and stuff, but I haven't personally been to one of the affiliate conferences. But now that I'm sort of breaking into this a, a little bit more seriously, is that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there's a, like a lot of good information there. But yeah, it's it's also what I would say is a little bit different about our. Our industry is that it is there isn't one single source, sort of educational or informational source to go to. You know, I know that some of these, like you know, Search Engine Journal and all these major, you know, news sources, education sources, but we don't have, yeah, we don't have sort of a standout platform for that. So it's interesting. It's almost like you're trying to piece, like piecemeal yeah. different parts together in order to sort of get a, you know, an overall picture of what you should do and stay abreast of. And and I think that the the best you can do is sort of like finding new clients or finding new partners or whatever is that you can try to do you try to find the information where you can but then you also lean on like i said your other competitors and stuff like that to do some of the work for you so that's kind of where we're at yeah and i always love to kind of understand people's pricing strategies and how you approach that because i find a lot of you know it's a hot topic for many (laughs) for many companies particularly on this kind of the service side where it's you know it's a little more ambiguous or it's a little more ethereal in terms of what you're actually providing i guess tell me about how you you know like how you price things you know just kind of how you approach pricing how is that developed over time? How have you negotiated those? What is this? Uh, you have packages. Do you really look at a per customer case? Tell me a little bit about that that part of it. Yeah, yeah. Because it is because it is B two B right now. It's like we're we're taking it a little bit more. We're taking a little bit more case by case, mm-hmm. um, and typically how we work because essentially what we do is we sort of how we differentiate ourselves from anyone, right? Or, or we try to open the conversation is we try to say that we are a service or we are a company that has no risk essentially. So basically, we acquire you new customers or we acquire you new sales with without you having to spend anything upfront, whether that's onboarding, whether that's training, you know, all those kinds of things. And, and we can on our side is that we can sort of lose we can lose resources in terms of we can lose time and energy and all that kind of stuff. And, and and that's something that we're willing to take on. So as far as moving forward is, is that we, because we're a revenue share model, right? So new customers acquired, new sales acquired, yep. is that we have to find and work with partners that have enough, basically enough margin or enough, cl- they have a, yeah, enough margin for yep. us to split it three ways, essentially. So on the, the initial sale, obviously, for the person that's fulfilling the order and the, the company, we have the partner who is advertising, has the audience, then we have ourselves who is working to try to piece these two things together. So thankfully, you know, and I know that there are sort of, industries that have either such competition or such scale that it's like they're probably not good for us to to get involved with so i think some of the typical industries that are popular for sort of our so far as what we found we, what we have a one is like some of the home goods has been something that we've been able to to work in home you know furnishing mm-hmm. we've also been able to work like a lot of like cosmetics and you know skincare and all the health and wellness stuff is, is something as well so i think eventually what's going to happen is you know once you know we get two to you know maybe three to five years down the line we're going to have a good feel for each where each of the markets is at that we're able to work with mm-hmm. and then sort of know what the and then almost have tiers of saying okay so we know what this type of partner is willing to demand in this industry we know what the margins, the average margins are in this type of industry. And so I think right now it's just laying out more of a, the next three years or however long is, is more of a sort of a data collection. And then yeah. it's going to be laying out that framework for the future of, of real growth or maybe real sustainability where it's like, okay, we, we have five industries that we specialize and we know exactly how much to pay people, how much margins we should request and ask for. Uh, and then we know the right partners to advertise and all of that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it's an interesting one just because it is, 
it's a performance-based fee. I mean, you're, you're only getting paid if the deal gets closed or if the sale right. gets made. And, and so you can really kind of tie it directly to value. But I know so many kind of service companies struggle with the whole, um, you know, how to pay for my services and, and they get stuck in the hourly rate. And, you know, this kind of this death spiral of, of um, incentives in terms of how to improve the system and stuff. I mean, I guess, did you, was this industry just set up as performance-based from the beginning or did you have, did you contemplate doing more kind of time-based fees or how does how did that sort of decision play out for you? Well, I think a lot of it is as well as just for, like you said, for being easy to sort of uh, an easy entryway into a conversation with a client or something mm-hmm. like that is um, is that a lot of it stemmed from the fact that I was a I had a sort of a hybrid pay structure as a when I was running the affiliate department uh, for my last company yeah. and basically it was performance it was performance based but then it was also and I obviously had a base pay mm-hmm. uh, but but the thing is is that I realized that there's just so much more value in the performance for me right so it's like I could yeah. I could scale that to a certain point that it's like I don't really care how much you're paying me up front it's like I'm definitely gonna, I'm going to collect collect way more on the back end so I was like I'm taking that same sort of mentality to this business where it's like I know that although we might lose up front or you know we might not see returns for three to six or whatever the thing is yep. it's like I'm playing this as a long as a long term kind of game yeah I find it's the more I talk to somebody who has a longer term view a real kind of lifetime value of customer view and is confident in their ability to deliver <laughs> you know deliver value <laughs> that they're willing yeah. to take the long term game you know when it's like uh, they, they don't have a real long-term value plan and it's a little like they don't have as much control or I guess they feel like they don't have complete control over the outcome then right. it's hard it's hard for them to take a pure performance-based compensation right. for, the, for the most part generally what I find um, yeah. so what are your next steps I guess into the business at this point what's your next kind of goal what's the strategy going from here in terms of growing and scaling the business yeah so so one of the things is like I said breaking into the uh, or is it the the, the, the boys club of, of the big publishers it's really honestly it's more of the women's club of, of the big yeah. publishers to be honest but uh yeah. it's sort of is it being able to uh really like tap into those serious uh i guess decision makers um for the big the big media companies and the big the big publishers where they control a lot of the the traffic online um and to sort of what i want to do is is sync up my clients figure out what clients they're working i want to be on their content calendar their editorial calendar right i want to i want to know the next what, what your you know writer are, are writing for the next two months. And I said, okay, I have products and I have <laughs> I have clients that'll that'll work with that. So that's kind of if I could sync up with those people. I mean, I think that's that's kind of like my ideal sort of uh, setup moving forward. Is, is obviously as far as that's one of my first things seeing, and then and then along with that is is sort of evaluating whether we need to make any tweaks or, or adjustments as far as the software that we're running on. Because like I said, I know a lot of these bigger people have sort of the preferred way of doing it, and sort of maybe signing up through individual agencies or, or networks program like we're sort of offering may not be what they want to do so to so trying to find a, a like a balance or happy medium there um, and then and obviously just the kind of focus rather than I'm, I'm open and, and obviously open to clients and it doesn't really I don't really accrue any more like you know any more like debt or, or whatever you know the financial yeah. cost in terms of acquiring new clients right now it's like I've got sort of our, our base of clients that I'm really focused on delivering results for so before we even you know before I even try to scale in terms of new employees or you know anything like that, uh, even new clients is like I'm really trying to deliver results you know, for the people that we have on board. Yeah, build up a good reputation and then and then let that help you get to the next phase of the company. Absolutely, Josh. This has been a pleasure. People want to find 
out more about you, about Imagine? What's the best way to get that information? Yeah, so I would uh, consult our website, which is uh, imagine-affiliate.com. Once again, that'd be imagine-affiliate.com. Right now, we, uh, we're we on Facebook as well. And we can type in Imagine Marketing. And then we're also, well, we have a LinkedIn company page. We're Imagine Marketing on there. And then if you want to reach out to me personally, uh, you can reach out to me by josh at imagineaffiliate.com is my email. And then also, I'm, I'm, all, I'm on LinkedIn at, uh, you know, just Joshua Kennedy. So if you guys, if anybody would be interested in, in talking to me, reaching, learning out more, you know, potentially our ideal clients, like I said, are, are sort of mission-based companies, you know, with some type of e-commerce store. And then what we kind of look at ourselves as a no-risk opportunity for a lot of those people. So if anyone's listening, either as an agency perspective and wants to get deliver more for their clients or specific you know, stores and, and want to talk to us, and I would love to do that. That's perfect. I'll put the links and the URLs and everything in the show notes here so people can click through and get that. Josh, it's been a pleasure. I always love talking with folks that are in the throes of building out their companies, scaling, uh, figuring out the next step. I think it's an exciting space you're in. I'm really I'm curious to see how things play out for you and look forward to keeping in touch. But I appreciate the time today. Yes, Bruce, thank you so much for the time. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.